slow roll is an arts food connection and like community rediscovery event disguised as a bike ride. Welcome to Rules of Engagement, a show that highlights the projects and partnerships of the University of Minnesota Robert J. Jones Urban Research Outreach and Engagement Center. I'm your host, Makeda Zulu. In today's episode, we will be talking with Anthony Taylor, who is a guru in helping us discover things about ourselves. Um, it's good to have you here. Anthony, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, it's good to be here. And I think um, I would not call myself a guru, but I will say that I think that, um, you know, for I think for a very long time, like it's, like I think I have had this very particular commitment around connecting Black people, especially to spaces they haven't been involved in. So I think long ago, many people think about Major Taylor Bike Club, which we started almost 30 years ago. And at that time, it was very simply, we were biking and there weren't other Black people biking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was, and, and, and slowly it became, you know, about engaging people in that. And I think um, it expanded to include things related to outdoors more broadly. So camping and paddling and snowboarding and, you know, you know, those or being in a park. I mean, there are just really ideas around how we really saw a very particular underrepresentation of black people in those spaces and really began to think about and understand why. And, and parallel to that um, is that really um, committed to um, black health. And I think uh, much of that I owe to uh, our common relationships in terms of our elders. My mother is the founder of the Cultural Wellness Center. That's right. And so really looking at this idea of black health um, and within that is active living uh, very specifically. And I think that that's a place where I tend to live is really this idea of how is how are we engaging active living? How are we engaging outdoors more broadly as part of a strategy for our overall well-being? And I think that's what it's kind of morphed into as we as we get older. Well, okay. That as we get older, that's what it's morphed into. And I am going to always take you back, as you know. Um, I'm I'm going to take you back to two places. So um, I first became a fan of of Mr. Taylor. Uh, he had a spa, and I believe for some reason I believe it was on the north side, but I don't. I, I, I that's probably just because I want to claim it. But what I loved about the spa, um, there were uh, it, it was the colors. I think it was um, orange and brown. You know, very beautiful earth tones. Um, and it had to be, gosh, in the nineties, um, because two thousand was when we opened. Was it two two? Okay, two thousand because, um, you may not remember this, but Erica Badu was wearing the head wrap, the tall head wrap, and um, I could not ever get that done. But people in your shop had that done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took my niece um to get a pedicure there. Um, you called it the throne room, and I wanted her. I know. I'm probably saying too much, but what I wanted was to be sure that her first pedicure paid for from somebody else was her auntie and that she wouldn't think that, you know, if a man decided to pay for it or, or a woman, whoever, um, that she associated her uh, self-care with her auntie. And that's what we do for mm -hmm. ourselves. Um, and then um, there's well, there's one more that I was going to. Oh, and then day one mm -hmm. on Tuesdays, you and your mother had a show. On KMOJ. On KMOJ, and you would talk about every day is day one. And what I loved about their show, I, I, hopefully I won't go on too long about this, but um, in their show, they would have a, a, um, feisty conversations. 
Um, and so Mr. Taylor has this voice, right? His mother also has this voice that is very uh, calming. And when they would talk, I would hear a little raise coming in both of their voices as they, they got heated. And so it's nice to see that family can, and especially a, a, a son and a mother, um, have a conversation where they disagree, um, but they're not disagreeable. And that gives pe other people permission to do that. Um, so I really love day one. So I had to, I had to talk about that. So. Well, it just shows that we've known each other a long time through many lives. And I think, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, it's really interesting you say that about, about the spa and spa one and what we were doing, because I do um, believe that it, that, that beauty concept is foundational for people. And I think that when we were, when we opened spa one, um, that was really after me working with Aveda and I was really traveling the world and working around beauty and natural beauty and um, it was really, you know, interesting to me that foundational to people's well-being was really beauty because it was kind of foundational to women. And inside of a community around wellness, women were driving that. It was, I mean, and it was, and simultaneously um, in this, you know, it would be interesting to see how people respond to this is that I also worked in the fitness industry before that. Oh, no, I didn't know that. And, uh, before, and I was actually starting a health club company. We were in New York raising money, and we had investors. And, and, and investors, like, we literally were on Wall Street sitting in, you know, J.P. Morgan raising money to do this health club. And um, they um, said that uh, – and it was, it was going to be founded on black people. The first one was going to be in Harlem. second one was going to be in Chicago. And um, they said that their data showed that women were the drivers of the fitness industry. And this was, in, this was in 1992 or something like that. And, um, and their data also showed that black women worked out in lower numbers than any other population in terms of joining a health club and working out, which nobody argues with that probably, right? No. But at the same time, we didn't believe it because our experience was we knew a lot of black people who worked out, right? So we were, <laughs> we were using lived experience data, right? And, and um, so we actually did a survey. We stood on Harlem on 125th Street and we surveyed really 300 black women. And we, we did our own survey and asked a simple set of questions. Uh, do you work out? If so, where? If not, why not? That was it. Okay. And what was the number one answer in 1992? The number one answer for why, why not? not? I didn't know the answer. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Hair. Hair. It was, <laughs> it was, it was hair care. And it wasn't yep. hair. It was hair care. Right. Hair care. Right. And right. so- and that, yep. and that was an investment in hair. And so what that fundamentally said to me was that the pursuit of beauty and, the, and, and what that meant was actually driving people away from health. Mm. I mean, it was like, like that was a glaring, crazy, big idea for me. And, and, and even in that, you know, after that, I go work for Aveda, which is primarily looking at natural beauty, looking at wellness, and primarily a brand sold to white women. You know, they're a core customer. They would probably disagree with that. Um, but um, it also was this idea of, of the pursuit of beauty towards wellness. It was like yeah. a really interesting switch in terms of the branding. And um, what I really saw was black women were attracted to it. Like they were really attracted to this idea of, of, of well-being and mm -hmm. natural products. And so we did another survey. So even in 1995, the fastest growing group of organic consumers was African-American women. Oh, I didn't know that. And and the fastest growing users of natural personal care products, aromatherapy, homeopathy, you know, um, naturopathy, 
it, it was black women. And we did that again in 2000. And that number was still true in terms of the, in terms of the trend. And that was why we started Spy One. Because we really thought, what if we could do a beauty concept targeting black women that that actually elevated natural hair mm. as a as a foundational set of services, beauty, body care, massages, pedicures, and what if we made the pedicure beautiful as opposed to now it's totally transactional. Mm-hmm. It is most most women get a pedicure and it is they hate it, but it's cheap and their toes look great. And so it doesn't it doesn't actually sometimes deliver. there's a very good massage and that does make a difference. And it, it's quiet it's, time away from it's an OK massage. It's not a great. Massage. See, the whole point is it is that it needs to be great. Right. And and and, you know, I mean, that was the idea. So I know our pedicure was award winning. <laughs> it, it was. It, yes, was, it, it was, was. It actually was. It was yeah. voted best service in America in 2001. I believe that. And um, but again, this idea of beauty concept driving well-being. And it shows up differently in women of European descent. They they have a different set of standards that that pursue beauty and drives them out of health. It shows up as eating disorders, or I mean, there are lots of ways where dysfunction around beauty actually drives um, people away from the health that they pursue. So that's a, so that's a long story in terms of of why we got started. But um, but the but the idea that people pursue things that are highly valued. Mm-hmm. And beauty is very highly valued. Mm-hmm. I mean, beauty is a foundational concept in terms of self-concept, feeling beautiful, looking beautiful, being attractive. And um, even now, I mean, if we look at what's happening now, it's very, very deep is that it is uh, this pursuit of what we perceive as beauty and still as thinness is showing up in a strange way. Matter of fact, just the recent uh, pediatric standards. I don't know if you've read this, but the new pediatric standards have now approved pediatricians to um, prescribe weight loss drugs for children under 12. No. For real. And so, because, because again, we have, we, have, we have some issues around weight and weight gain and weight loss, and we don't really see active living as a strategy, right? We, we're now thinking about it differently. Um, and so there are lots of ways that, again, like from like I said, this is a wine. This is unfortunately how my <laughs> mind works, right? I sit around <laughs> um, and look for these things, but I do think that this idea of uh, body image and body image is really a big deal for all people. Um, that there are very particular standards of it. Um, I believe that the way that Black women were responding to white, you know, to hair care in 1992, and some degrees till this day around straight hair, perfect hair is white supremacy implanted on beauty. You know, that the challenges around thinness, you know, it really is, again, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's glamorizing a perceived, you know, view of the European body. So once again, it's white supremacy in action and it's showing up in all these very different ways. And in the modern era, you know, that it's been co-opted in a weird way. So now the body has become dysformic and now it's out of proportion. And then, I mean, and the internet is doing something very different. So, I mean, again, you know, the ideas around self-concept, body image, you know, self-care, like mm-hmm. when we really deal with time, and well-being, which is well-being is really not fitness and it's not aromatherapy. It is actually what what is your outlook for yourself? Like that's well-being is this sense of a positive outlook for your existence. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and and that is what we're trying to create is is activities that you when you wake up and you stand up, 
that your outlook for your future is positive, mm-hmm. right? Engaged, right? And includes you, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, so that's a, that's also a, an expanded definition around, around what we're trying to achieve with these well-being pursuits. And you, maybe you can get that through a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, sometimes it's a start, you know, right? It's sometimes it's a start. Uh, because I, you know, with you saying that, you know, I think of, you know, when I think of black women, self-care is probably the last on the list. Caring for everybody else is what is important in the black women that, you know, the black women I hang around. They, they, right. they you know, what, what can I make sure my kids have, you know, my friends have, whatever. Um, and so, you know, a pedicure is like just a, a, a flash into what we define for ourselves or what right. we want for ourselves. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about slow roll. Okay. So how did how did you come to UROC with slow roll? And can you tell us what slow roll is? Yeah, so slow roll is a bike ride disguised as as um, something. It's actually, you know, I, I would say it, it, it actually is an arts, food, connection, and like community rediscovery event disguised yeah. as a bike ride. That's really what it is. And um, we, we kind of came to slow roll because I was – I told you I was one of the founders of a major Taylor club, which was a sport bike club. So, you know, the joke I tell about biking is that spandex scares people. And a lot of people in spandex scares most people. Mm. And a lot of people in the same spandex scares everybody. Right. <laughs> and, and so biking, so much of what we think of as biking is that's the highest order, right? You yep. show up in spandex, you have an expensive bike and you right. And so we, you know, we were doing that and there's value there. Yeah. But it also turns off people. It also excludes people. Um, it's also, um, it's not inviting and nurturing, you know what I mean? And so what I realized is we weren't growing. Okay. And so I wanted to do something different that I thought was going to be more attractive. And, and I literally was on a trip to Detroit and I ran across this bike ride. I mean, it, it was literally 3,000 people. And um, and they were riding through Detroit. They close off the streets, and Detroit has a lot of big streets and a lot fewer people. And but it, but the idea was that it wasn't a sport ride. It was literally a ride to discover. And the first slow rolls, what, what I found that was interesting is they never they they didn't sh- tell you what the route was. You just showed up someplace, right? And then and then you did the route, and when you were done, you hung out and you had a social event. So slow roll is a bike ride, and those are kind of the tenets of slow roll, that you show up. Nobody knows the route. We don't tell anybody the route, and we don't post the route. <laughs> no one knows. People can get lost that way. No, they're together, right? That's the, that's the other thing. If you they, you if have they. to stay together. Um, you have to um, You bring whatever bike you have. And if you don't have one, we have one for you. We start with the music and DJ, and okay. we have refreshments, and we end with a community meal. Okay. Right? Yeah. And um, and again, everyone has a theme to highlight some part of the community they don't know, because that's the other thing I've kind of found. People live in cities and communities, but they really only know their start point and their end destination. Like they don't know in between. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, and even those of us who love Northside, for example, mm-hmm. like we really teleport through the North Side. We don't really know in between, you know, mm-hmm. and so. The idea of using slow roll as a way to help people rediscover their own neighborhood and yeah. the beauty of it yeah. um, and show them, like no one says, Northside, the home of pocket parks. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
the north side of all the communities we have has the most pocket parks in. What is a pocket park? It's like the little park over by Jerry Gamble Boys Club. <laughs> you know exactly what I I'm talking exactly about, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. You know exactly yes. what I'm talking about. <laughs> or the little park over in, um, when you're over um, by um, uh, Sheridan and you go south on Sheridan and you kind of, and you run, and there's a little park right there. Yes. Yeah, that's a pocket right park. Right off of Plymouth? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there are pocket parks all over the north side. Okay. And so, um, and it's surrounded by the river. Theodore Worth Parkway, Victory Memorial Parkway, and you've got, you know, um, um, Lake of the Isles Park. I mean, so no one says Northside, the home of Pocket Park, surrounded by beautiful greenways. <laughs> that's really good, and that's a good point. It, I mean, it's, that's exactly right. So the identity of Northside is never built on the beauty of Northside. Yeah. It isn't built on the African-American legacy. You know, it isn't built on the the transition of the Jewish tradition and the African-American tradition and the legacy of settlement houses on the north side. And uh, I mean, so we do bike rides where we highlight those things as part of the ride. And then um, we have music always and we end with a community meal. So people don't go, how far was that? You know, (laughs) what was that distance? What was my time? You know what I mean? And and then the only rule of slow roll is you have to meet someone you don't know. And so that's really the idea. And and really how we wound up at UROC, um, that really, at one, UROC is in the center of the community. Um, geographically, it's kind of like when you draw the north side and you think about what we're talking about from the river, the Theodore Worth Parkway, Victor Memorial, over to south. It's, you know, what are, this is about 20. The address is 20, right? Yes. And I'm also a, a geography nerd. Okay. So most people don't know the city is a perfect grid, right? So 20, going 20 blocks south, Right. And 20 blocks north, 20 blocks north puts you basically at Victor Memorial, 20 blocks south puts you just south of 394. Right. Wow. And so it's so this is kind of geographic. And if you go to the um, east towards the river. Yeah. Right. You run into the river in about a mile. Yeah. And Theo is about a mile the other way. And so it's it's also this really interesting central location um, here. Hmm. And where Rock is also at one point. People just the history. This was where the McDonald's was on the corner. This That's is where right. Lucille's Kitchen was. This yeah. is where you know there's King so Supermarket. Much, King Supermarket. The way. The way. Mm-hmm. And the way. The significance of the way as a point of origin here yeah. um, is actually just quite amazing. So that's what we do on on a slow roll. All okay. that we just talked about, we point out to people okay. um, in a bike ride. And so what happens is now you're moving not through a community, but in a community. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so all of a sudden you can see all these things. And then after you've seen them, you can't unsee them. Right. Right. And so I think that's the part of it. And so choosing UROC was perfect for that. Um, the other thing we did for UROC and really bless your heart uh, for this is we've done our overnight bike rides. No. Right. And so to everybody, you did an overnight bike ride. Yes, we <laughs> annually do an overnight bike ride. And you have been on a regular stop for us a number of times and being able to kind of pull up here use the bathrooms, stop here, always have a presentation here. Because UROC, in terms of this geography, once again, is historically tied to so many aspects of North Minneapolis history okay. that we have stopped here and had music. And, and it's been at the middle of the night. It's been 4 a.m. in the morning. It's been, you know, um, all these different different times. And Plymouth Avenue, again, the historic history yeah. of Plymouth Avenue as right. the actual central business district for North Minneapolis, it wasn't Broadway, it was Plymouth. 
And so th- there's there's also some symbolism here in terms of that for us historically. And I think that's really, again, that's our thing, right? Yeah. Is how are we putting people in community disguised as a bike ride? And so UROC has been important and a continuous partner because that's the other thing about slow rolls. We anchor yeah. in terms of relationships. And so we we use uh, you know, UROC as a partner and location um, for all of those things as well. And I'm so glad that, that you chose us. Um, another thing that you do, right, is the um, is making sure that you talked about us being active, um, doing camping. I, I didn't know about the camping, but I might have to get on. I can I might be able to do that. But in the wintertime, mm-hmm. black folks busy in the cold. Can you, t- you and, and then you had uh, what an international or um, were they snowboarders? I'm yeah. sorry. The celebration event. Yeah. We can did. you talk a little bit about that? So we started. um a winter kind of event called Melanin in Motion. Melanin in Motion. And and really, it again, it, it looks like we're trying to get people to snowboard and ski and do all those things. But what we really realize is we're actually just trying to help particularly African-American people change their relationship to winter. Yeah. Because um, we live in Minnesota. I mean, it's just, it's just part of it. But from an active living perspective, you know, if you have this thing that says, I'm going to shut down on October 31st and I'm not going to go outside again until April 1st, yeah. it really ruins you. It It, it is the, the least healthy thing you can do. Yeah. And so we have really said, well, we live in a place that is actually a, a city, a, you know, a municipality that makes significant investments in the built environment yeah. and in programming to actually support people to be active outdoors. And um, black people need to benefit from those investments too. So we do a regular every Monday night throughout, you know, starting right around uh, you know mid December, we do cross country ski lessons for families and youth. Every Monday night, we're doing Thursday night snowboarding program uh, for black girls. Um, on weekends, we offer snowboard lessons at Theodore Worth Park. That was the other thing for us is we wanted to place these activities in our community. Right. And so the idea of making you drive an hour to learn to snowboard is a perfect reason for you not to learn to snowboard. <laughs> so uh, we say, well, why don't we do it in the community? And many people don't know the legacy of Theodore Worth Park having a ski jump, actually. You know? Um, I did s- not know that. Yeah, absolutely. It actually had a ski jump. And um, Oh, is if, that what the, the big hill that we slide down? Was the, that? <laughs> the, the, the big hill used to be a ski jump right on the front there. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, and many elders, if you talk to many of the elders in the community, they will tell you about learning to ski at Theodore Worth Park. No, I didn't. Wow. And, and, and it's so interesting. So we wanted to bring it back. So um, we, you know, we really have done that. And I think um, we do a Friday night family night at Trollhagen where we go skiing there. But the biggest thing was we incorporated uh, lessons and equipment taught by black instructors in the community, in the neighborhood. Like yeah. that was really foundational. And so what we found is that people don't actually hate winter. They just hate being cold. I mean, that's what we had to reframe it. Right. Anytime, anytime you talk to somebody, rather than say, you really hate winter or do you hate being cold? Okay. So if I can keep you warm, you, you go do this with me. And that's really been the, the hook um, mm-hmm. to get people to start. But, um, but broadly, I, I do believe that outdoors and outdoors activities are great development activities. Yeah. I, I think that they are not, I mean, they're not like traditional sport where, I mean, honestly, 
80% of people are cut by the time they're in ninth grade? I never got cut from a team. You were one of the fortunate few. But what happens is they don't stay active for a I was lifetime. never on a, a sports team. <laughs> Chess team? I was no, I no, but I was a cheerleader. There you go. In Chess. a school that didn't have nobody, cheerleaders, I was determined. Nobody yep. worked harder than cheerleaders. That's right. I mean, it's true. Um <laughs> But no, you know, that was really the idea is that how do we get people involved in active living early and get them involved in activities that are like, that's the secret sauce of outdoors is that it's really a personal development strategy. It's not a, it's not a sports strategy. Right. So that, that's. Well, and it's a community. That's what I saw in your celebration. I mean, you had um, young people as coaches, I think, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. We have 14, 14 to 17 year olds that were, that were trained to coach the rest of the community and they got paid to be there yeah. and they, and they were really proud. And I think the thing that they say afterwards is that really the acknowledgement from the community was more important than the pay. Right. Because, right. They were, you know, I mean, and, and working with nine year olds who think you're a hero, it's yeah. just, you know, that's really validating. So I think those are the aspects of it. That, that was almost full circle. Yeah. When you think about the service, Feeding something for us. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, Mr. Taylor, I think I think we have to wrap it up. We're we're um, I think we're close to time. If people want to um, want to know more, want to get uh, involved in slow roll, melanin emotion. What is the camping name? They it's all <laughs> under melanin emotion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's everything. But um, they can go to melaninemotion.org. Okay. And they can. Uh, leave a note for information, updating programs, those kind of things. And they can also get through us through the cultural wellness center.org. Very good. Very good. And what I, what I will say as a testimony, you don't get shamed for signing up and not showing up um, or signing up, showing up, and then not following the entire trip. Um, Just always welcomed with love. And I think that's wonderful. I think that gives us hope that one day we can be in motion. You know, being in motion is the goal. Yes. That's it. So if you're in motion, you're winning. All right. Well, amen. Thank you for uh, being here today. I want to give a special thanks uh, to Mr. Taylor um, and to Nina Shepard, who's with the Office for Public Engagement and UROC Senior Communications Director. Today's episode was produced by Blackbird Revolt and engineered uh, by Stan Tequila edited by Jordan Moses. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To learn more about UROC and our many community partnerships, visit uroc.umn.edu. That is uroc.umn.edu. Thanks for listening.